The crack is back and what a whirlwind few days it's been. My God. How wrong was I on this PFL announcement? I think my parting remark to all of you was Bellator Belfast. I believe that's definitely going to happen. The one thing that was for sure about <laughs> Don Davis' appearance on the MMA is that Bellator Belfast is still very much up in the air. That's the one thing I was 100% confident on. There's also the thing I mentioned on the last podcast that I was really excited about. Did not get to do that yet. It might still happen, but I don't know. And there was another cool thing I was meant to be doing next week that's not happening now. But alas, we shall prevail. You know, the PFL thing, if you want our full thoughts on this, our full thoughts being the thoughts of me, Ari Lewani, and Chuck Mendenhall, and the great TSD, you can go over to the Ringer MMA show feed on Spotify and get all of our takes over there. But the one thing I come away from my chat with Ariel and Chuck, etc., about about PFL is I come away from it going, wow, this is a lot of banners, a lot of marquees, like Bellator, Champs v. Champs, the Bellator standalone events, the PFL regional series, you know, all this stuff, P- PFL Europe. And then today I'm getting texts from people, PFL Europe have mer- ha- like are doing something with Clan Wars. Like, I mean, it's great. It's great for Clan Wars, but it's getting confusing. Like, I mean, PFL is more side chicks than, do you remember the WWE Godfather? The Godfather guy with the hoe train? Like, that's what, like, it's, it's so many different things. I am excited, though. It's just like, like Chuck says on the, on the Ring MMA show, we have to see it all playing out to really get comfortable with what's going on. We're going to have to see it in action. And as GC pointed out to Ariel on the MMA hour, like that has been one criticism of PFL that is well-founded. The Ngannou announcement, the Jake Paul announcement, the Serrano announcement, we haven't seen any fights. So that's, it's time of action now, as Ariel and GC have said. Thank you to everyone for checking out the uh, Chris Bungard episode. And today we have the return of the king, Phil O'Connor. You know, Katie Taylor's rematch with Chantel Cameron coming up. This weekend, I'll be at 3 Arena for that. I'm about to head to the open workouts now. Um, You know, massive fight. Could be Katie's last fight. The way Eddie Heron's talking, this is the last, you know, this is a must-win fight. That's her, her coach, Ross Animator, said the same thing. This is a, a must-win fight. 37 years of age. You know, I wanted to get Phil on because, first of all, he's not here, which is devastating. Ariel's not here either, which is devastating. Dunna Corby's not here, which is devastating. Very sad about all that. We do have Alex Patel here from The Independent who was on to talk about Ian Gary and Leon Edwards a few weeks ago. We do have Gavin Casey who's been on to uh, to humor my musings on um, Tyson Fury and Ngannou and Jake Paul and all that business. He's a real boxing guy. I hope I get to see Don McRae again. Eamon Carr who has just released a book. I cannot wait to read this. I actually got a copy today um, de- delving into the history of Irish boxing. So what a week. Show Business with Blood is the name of that book. So if you have any boxing fans that you don't know what to get them for Christmas, there you go. Show Business and Blood. Show Business with Blood. That is the book to get them. I actually can't wait. I love reading boxing books, man. Chuck Mendenhall really needs to write like a quintessential MMA book that harks back to this kind of stuff. So yes, Show Business with Blood, A Golden Age of Irish Boxing is the name of the, the book by Eamon Carr. Make sure you check it out. It's in all good bookshops now. But let's get over to Phil. He's still pissed off this isn't happening in Crow Park. He's pissed off about a lot of things. And that's where we want Phil. A very happy man with a bone to pick. He's one of my heroes, one of my best mates. I love him very much. Phil O'Connor, ladies and gentlemen. 
Last time he gave us one of the most epic Katie Taylor promos of all time. So it's only right that he is back with us. He is one of my mentors, one of my best friends, a legend of the game. It is Phil O'Connor joining us to speak about Katie Taylor's rematch with Chantel Cameron for all of the marbles, all those super lightweight marbles on the line once again at three arena. But I got to say, Phil, I'm very unhappy. Okay, we didn't have you the first one. I thought we definitely have you at this second one. But this time, not only do we not have you, we don't have Ariel Awani either. And suddenly, I'm hearing Dunna Corby's in the US covering PFL's final event. I'm feeling a bit lonely here. What the hell's going on? That's ridiculous. Of everybody, I would have thought that Corby would be there. He's a man who loves lacing up the old boxing gloves, you know. Your man Helwani, I don't know, he's a bit of a casual, so, you know, but he turns up for the big events. But I think the fact that Ariel isn't there, and more or less, let's be honest, Peter, the fact that I'm not there, sort of tells us that there's just a few small things wrong with this fight. Now, they're nothing major. It's just the wrong fight against the wrong opponent in the wrong venue at the wrong time. But other than that, it's grand. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> well, tell me why. Um, obviously, like uh, we'll get into the opponent later, Chantel Cameron. Uh, like I, I was up, I was there uh, ringside for the last fight, and the conversation among the media immediately after that main event was: first of all, is Katie retiring? And if they're fighting again, they must do it at lightweight instead of super lightweight. Um, and and here we are; it's the same terms again, exactly. But why wrong venue? Why wrong everything else? We can get to Cameron later. Because it's boxing, Peter. And when I write the book about my love of boxing and combat sports and that, it's going to be called, This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things, right? Because what boxing does and what mixed martial arts do and what judo, everything else does is they promise us these fantastic events, these great narratives, these brilliant storylines. Great writers like Chuck Mildenhall yourself spend years crafting these fine pieces around it, and then they let us down, right? They either give us kind of what we want, but five years too late, or kind of what we want a couple of years too early, or they don't let the big fighters meet, or they do it like this, like I say, the wrong way, the wrong venue at the wrong time. What was really compelling about Katie Taylor until the last Cameron fight was that idea of her fighting at home in Ireland, of the Queen of Ireland, the greatest sports person Ireland ever produced, Barnone, coming back on home soil and winning a match. And what we got wasn't that, because it should have been a crow park. It should have been against a can that she could beat and a weight that she felt comfortable at so that she could win that fight in front of 85,000 people and a million and a half watching on TV and many more millions watching in the UK and Ireland as the Queen of Sports, the queen of Irish boxing walked away from the sport for good. And what we got was a Katie Taylor who was overmatched, uh, who looked a little bit too small, a little bit too slow for the weight class. Um, I just, you know, she lost and that wasn't supposed to happen. And that's what happens because father time is undefeated. If you let the clock run on these great fights, these great fighters, these good ideas, if we interfere with these things, with the boxing gods at all, we inevitably end up disappointed, uh, getting disappointed. And this is what's after happening here for me. It should have been Croke Park in September. It should not have been the Three Arena in November. Okay, it's it's a best case. It's brilliant. It's going to be brilliant to see KD fight on Irish soil again. But this promised so much. And I think to me, Peter, this has drawn the line under her career and how mismanaged it has been. Not by Katie herself, who has been absolutely brilliant. Her coaches have been absolutely brilliant in bringing her to the pinnacle of the sport and making her a hero for Irish women and for Irish uh, sports fans around the world. But she deserved so much more than this. And what we need to do as boxing writers and boxing journalists and boxers and promoters is we need to look at this and 
say, what is stopping us from having nice things? And all, all too often, it is the interest of people who literally have nothing to do with the sport. This should only be about Taylor. This should only be about Cameron. And yet everybody else gets to interfere. Well, well, I'm glad I asked. First of all, that was uh, epic as usual, Phil. Um, you, you mentioned the opponent. And this is something that Ariel spoke about in the lead up to the first fight back in May. He was like, you know, Katie could legitimately fight a broomstick here and it, it would still be the same in terms of pomp ceremony. And we did have that beautiful homecoming moment and she was embraced by the people of Ireland in this first pro fight she's had here. Is there any part of you, like, what, what do you do in this situation if you're hearing when Katie, like, and I really... I really admire this story because obviously, you know, overmatched. And that is the thing that everyone's saying after this fight, she, everyone's saying she clearly lost. And then the first word from Heron, when he comes back from the change room is like, I'm trying to tell her, I'm trying to tell her to like, you know, go down a weight class. I'm trying to tell her fight anyone else, but this is what she wants. Like that's an, that is very admirable from Katie's point of view. But what do you do in that situation? If you're a Heron in that situation? You and I sat not too far from each other in the Garden Arena at the, the Garden Arena at the MGM Grand in 2016 when Conor McGregor was choked out by Nate Diaz. And in that instant, we knew what his next fight was going to be. And in the instant that Katie Taylor lost to Cameron, we knew what fight, that fight was going to be because we know Katie Taylor almost better than she knows herself. Eddie Hearn knows that as well. She is not going to allow that to happen, to have that blemish on her record. She's always going to want to get the, the chance to get that one back. It's the same thing for amateur fighters. If you meet somebody at the World Championships or European Championships and they get one over on you, you know, where very few people ever go through an amateur career with a completely unblemished record. But if you do get a blemish on your record, you want that one back. That's the competitor, the, the competitor that she is. And Peter, five or six or seven years ago, I wouldn't have had any problem with this opponent or this weight class, or this hullabaloo, because she would have been able for it. But the longer time goes on, you know, you realize very quickly when your time has run out in boxing. And I absolutely despise myself. The self-loathing I'm feeling for saying this is that I think Katie's time has passed and that we wasted the best years of her career talking shite over and back about where it was going to be and when it was going to happen and how we were going to do right by her. And it was going to be Crow Park and Connor was going to pay for the security and everything. And none of that actually happened, you know? So, for her to want that, that's entirely natural. And if there's one person in Ireland you don't say no to, it's the Queen. You don't say no to Katie Taylor if that's what she wants. But in this instance, I honestly think that the, the, the stable door is open now and the horse is bolted. And the horse bolted when we couldn't get the Serrano fight in Crow Park. What happens after that is immaterial. I think that Hearn is wrong. I think as her promoter, he needs to be the one to say to her, this can't be like this, right? We have to put the bow on this in the right way. And the only way for me, to, for Katie Taylor to finish her career, the only worthy way for me for that to happen is to see her hand being raised in Dublin in front of the Irish people, right? And for once in boxing, I don't care about sporting merit. I just do not care because this is not about 12 rounds on the night that she fights Cameron. This is about everything she has done since the first time she walked into a gym and tied up, up, up her ponytail so that she wouldn't be considered as a woman in that gym. She wouldn't be noticed. It's about all of that. And it really should be a victory parade. As you say, against a broomstick, put a tomato can in there. But yet again, boxing has this habit. Like boxing at the moment is basically like that gif of Sideshow Bob and the Rakes, right? No matter what 
what it tries to do, it slaps itself in the face. And eventually, even that gift gets tedious, right? Can we not for once do these things properly? Can we not for once take a hero like Katie Taylor and put her out of here in a ticker tape parade? Can we not do that? Is that so impossible? Does somebody have to make a million or a half a million here or there just so that somebody can sort of dip their beak? That's not what this is about. This needs to be about Katie Taylor. And if she doesn't win here, you know what? Go back to the well. Book the three arena once more and you can book me and I'll fight her and she can knock me out stone cold on that canvas and I'll do that for free, right? Just to give her that moment. And many more like me would do that. Well, yeah, well, that, that's, a, that's a great point. And I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot. We're dancing around it. The idea of this being Katie's last dance. And I feel like this has been weaved throughout the promotion of this fight. The first press conference back in September, um, you know, Ross Enemate and Eddie Hearn say this is a must-win fight. Um, Katie Taylor agrees that this is a must-win fight. Do you think, like, based on what you're saying here, and, you know, a lot of people agree with you, the majority of people agree with you that Cameron is too much. She proved that in the first fight. She's too young. She's too fast. She's too strong. She's too big. Um, the bookmakers agree with you, too. If this goes the way people think it's going to go, do you expect this to be Katie's last fight? Are you anticipating that? Are you ready for that? Is your body ready for that, Phil? Do you know what? We once had a conversation about Alexander the Mauler Gustafsson, and he lost a fight. You know, he had some of the greatest heavyweight or light heavyweight fights of all time in the UFC. Pushed John Jones very close. Pushed Daniel Cormier very close. But I can't remember if it was when he lost to Glover Tejera here in Stockholm, and you and me again were sitting cage side, and I turned to you and said, I don't need to see this anymore. And I neither want nor need to see Katie Taylor getting beaten, right? Don't take that away from me. Don't take that Olympic medal away from me. Don't take those great nights, that great night against Amanda Serrano when you were there and I wasn't. Don't take that away from us, right? Don't let her be humiliated. Don't just, don't let that happen, right? Irish sport doesn't need this. Katie Taylor, as I say, her legacy is there supreme. But what I absolutely don't want to happen is for idiots, people who don't watch this sport, you know, people, you know, the renter quotes who will always come out for the big events who say, ah, turns out she wasn't that great. And it was like, don't give those people anything, any fuel for their fire whatsoever, right? This is why I feel so passionately about how we manage careers and how we do what's best for boxers. Because you know yourself, Peter, no fighter has ever adequately chosen the time to walk away. Maybe Khabib Nurmagomedov is the one. Like, but everybody stays on just a little bit too long. Everybody gets that one knockout that they could have done without, you know? It's happened to every fighter we've ever seen. It'll happen to more of them in the future. And this is why I feel that this has been so badly mismanaged. I, I think... I have no desire to see that happen to Katie. I have an absolute desire to see that, you know, that, that Hollywood ending of her having her, her hand raised in Dublin. And I wish that more than anything else in the sporting world right now. I don't want to see her suffer for that. I don't want to see her schooled for 12 rounds. I don't want to see her hit for 12 rounds. I don't want to see her chased for 12 rounds. I don't want to see her chase for 12 rounds and not be able to land a glove on an opponent that maybe 10, 10 years ago she would have chased down and, and knocked out or cleaned out on the judges' scorecards. And I think that's what's the, the, the real hard part for me. When we talk about matchmaking and that, you know, I've taken a call in the men's heavyweight division and boxing to hold me back division because a lot of guys go, hold me back, hold me back. And nobody wants to fight anybody else. Uh, Anthony Joshua is now coming out and meeting Otto Valin. Otto Valin has been begging to fight Anthony You've been Joshua. talking about this for me for years. You've been saying this is the fight for years. 
years, right? And now all of a sudden, you know, when they push enough money into the middle of the table and there's, you know, all of a sudden the risk is worth it. But unless that fight was happening in Saudi, it wouldn't happen, you know? And this is the opposite. You know, I honestly wish that, you know, there was some guy who was sort of, you know, uh, you know, but his dad is from Riyadh and his mother's from Ballyfermot, right? Get that guy to pump, push his money into the middle of the table, right? All the Saudi dollars in there and say, right, Katie, let's give you this. Pick your opponent. Doesn't matter, you know, somebody who's 10 years retired, you know, whatever. Get, get them in there and do it that way. That would be for once, that would be the only tin can fight or tomato can fight I'd be ready to sanction is one for Katie Taylor because she has it. Like she has put all those hard yards in there, all those hard rounds. She's met everybody there is to meet. She's taken every challenge. She's stepped up a weight class. She's meeting an opponent for a second time that she probably should have backed away from. You know, Tyson Fury never asked to go back in the ring with Otto Valin when Otto Valin knocked a, a lump out of his eye that caused him to get like 40 odd stitches. He wasn't in a hurry back in there. But Katie Taylor, months after what happened in the three arena, is already ready to, clear, to, to get back in there, knowing what it is that's waiting for her. Now, the other thing is that you don't write off a boxer like Katie Taylor, right? The reason that she has lasted as long as she did and that she is etched in the memories of Irish people and the sporting folklore is because of her ability to learn and often learn on the fly when she was an amateur very, very quickly. Who knows? She could come out there with a game plan that will take Cameron out completely, that will sort of not just stand in front of her and stand in the pocket and hope to land something and go back to that great sort of points fighter that she, is, she used to be, picking people off, but that she wasn't in her last fight. That's a distinct possibility and I'd never write it off. But again, you mentioned the bookmakers there, Peter, and it's a she's a huge outsider. You know, for a fighter fighting on home soil, uh, Cameron's name is at the top of the bill. And I think she was, you know, like, four, was she four to, five to four on to win? And Katie was a bit of an outsider on, on home soil. That, none of that is good, you know, when you're sort of trying to read the tea leaves and find out who's going to win this fight. None of that is good. So yeah, it's all up for grabs. I don't feel there's the same buzz about it uh, as there was pre the last Cameron fight because there we were somewhere in between the, the Serrano fight and the Cameron fight and it was still a huge idea. And that unbeaten Katie, you know, like it was so much more mythological. And now that she has that sort of one loss on her record, you know, people are looking like, ah, maybe I don't know, you know. And again, I think people are sort of expecting, I think a lot of people see it the way I do, that they just don't want to see that their hero has feet of clay. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of the first promotion as well, Phil, was the fact that Croke Park was still being dangled like a carrot. Like, this is a, a precursor to the Croke Park thing. And now that's completely disappeared, as we talked about earlier. But, you know, I, I think it's funny that this woman fought so hard without being in the ring, fought so hard just to get the honor to fight in a ring and represent Ireland. And now we have these cards where they are completely relying on Katie Taylor. Irish boxing is completely relying on Katie Taylor to usher in a new generation of Irish talent. And we saw it last time. I know Carty won and a, and a few guys won, but the, the likes of Cully, who was the co-main event, got sparked out. Another lad got sparked out. Um, his name escapes me at the moment, but and, and and then we're just like, well, now we're stuck. And now yet again, here she is leading a new cast, Cully and Co. Once again, Carty's there as well. They rely on her so much, but with all this said. With, with the fact that we, for the first time, maybe are going into a Katie Taylor fight going, I think she's going to lose. And we're looking at the end of her career. How are we going to feel about the end of her career? But if you think about it, does that not make this a classic Katie Taylor in the making moment for us? I know you you got to stop me here because, I, I, you know, I do get too romantic about this. But isn't this the perfect way to silence everybody? Come out, win. I'm not past it. I can still do this. I'm still the queen of Ireland. Would it be the biggest win of her career on Saturday if she pulls this off? And considering everything she's done, countless world titles, all of this stuff, 
is and Serrano in fucking Madison Square Garden. But would this rematch with Chantel Cameron in fact be the biggest win of her career if she can pull it off? If she beats Chantel Cameron now on Saturday night, I think that the, it won't be, you know, the, the top ranks of this world that are calling her phone before she gets back to the, the dressing room. It will be the Hollywood producers, right? This, there's no way in the world really, you know, like, I'd love to be where you are. Like, I'd love to be thinking, like, and the fan in me, the boxing fan that started watching this sport at six, seven, eight years of age, really, really wants that to happen, right? But the, the cynical, old-fashioned journalist in me says that there's no way in the world that this can happen, right? But that's what's sport is all about. You know, a punch has chances of punches. You only have to land one, right? And there's nothing to say that Katie could do it. And yet there's everything. There's nothing to say that she can't either. She has rewritten the rule book. You know, her, you know, if she was to write an autobiography, she can call it It's Only Impossible Until It's Done. She has done things that were unimaginable when I started watching this sport. So the possibility is absolutely still there. I think... You know, it's almost impossible to say if that or the Olympic medal would be bigger. You know, we'll have to wait yeah. 10 years until a career is long over. But to be to, to come back and to take the words that I've said to you here today and ram them down my throat, I think would be absolutely one of the biggest victories of her career. But you know, again, there's no getting away from the fact that the timing is approaching when she will have to walk away from the sport, right? It may come on Saturday. And I was thinking the other day, Peter, I've watched a lot of women's soccer and covered a lot, a lot of women's soccer in my time. And after the World Cup, uh, one of the best footballers ever played the game, one of the best female footballers ever to play the game is a Brazilian called Marta. And Marta came out in this bright red lipstick in a viral video that you'll find all over Instagram and TikTok. And she said straight into the camera, she said, one of these days, Marta's not going to be here anymore. And she spoke to the Brazilian girls who were watching that game. And she said, it's up to you. You have to step up. You have to fill the vacuum that I am going to leave behind me when I walk away from this game. And this is Katie Taylor's Marta moment, right? Whatever happens on Saturday night, it is time for her to say to this generation of, of Irish kids, men and women, boys and girls of Irish boxing, I have carried you for long enough. I have built this for you. Now it's up to you to take it forward. Now, if she does that with her hand raised in the air, that's one thing. If she does it with her hand down on the feet, that's another thing. But that handover has to happen because we have put too much faith in her for too long. The burden that woman has carried on behalf of Irish boxing is inhumane when you think of what she's been asked to do, right? And the time has come for the rest of us to share it. Phil O'Connor, that was absolutely outstanding. I mean, I every time I get you on, uh, at the very end, I'm just like, why the fuck are you doing this for a living? This is what you're meant to sound like if you're doing this seriously. But Phil, <laughs> absolute pleasure. I wish you were here with me. I hope I get to see you over the Christmas. I don't know if your plans are to come back or not, but uh, it's always a pleasure. It's always an education for me to talk to you. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime. Always up for the crack, Peter. Phil O'Connor, what an icon. My hero. I always tell you guys. I'd love to be able to speak about anything as passionately as he can speak about everything. Honestly, like every time he does this stuff, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this is crazy. I don't think I've ever come across like that on a show once. I really wish I would. But uh, I want to say a massive happy Thanksgiving. Can you say a happy massive Thanksgiving? A happy Thanksgiving to all of my... Is that what you... Do you say happy Thanksgiving? Have a thankful Thanksgiving. I think that's more accurate. Have a thankful Thanksgiving to all my American friends. I'm very thankful for all of you Americans. I love America very much. I love New York City. I don't really like Las Vegas. I love Boston. I had chicken in North Carolina once. It was very nice. I um, 
I stayed in Philadelphia overnight once at a gangbangers convention when my flight was rerouted. That was pretty interesting. But I have lots of fantastic American friends and I love them very much. And it's a place I wish, I regret not going to live there for a little while. Obviously, I was always going to come back to Blanche, but I think as I age, as disgustingly as I am, and I think about my friends who went to Australia and Canada and the people I knew in college who went to, a, you know, live in New York. And I think of my friends, like, um, I think I've referenced Ash on the show a number of times, living in New York and killing it. I would have loved to know how I would have got on, but you're always going to look at these things with an optimistic point of view, like, oh, I would have done great. But, you know, yeah, it doesn't always go that way. Anyway, here I am rambling about America. Don't forget you've got Cage Warriors 164 this weekend. It's a savage card. You've got the PFL Finals, which we talked about on the Ring Around May show. Um, I am personally buzzing for the Cage Warriors fights and Chris Bungard's fight, obviously, most important there. And then we're just a couple of weeks away from PFL Dublin. And then after that, it's Leon Edwards. Oh, my God. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I need, I need a month off for Christmas. I won't get it, but I'll try. I'll try to take some time. I love his loads. Rambling again. Take it easy. Thank you to Phil. Thank you to Oscar. Thank you to all of you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Love his loads. Let's go, Katie.